Let's go to Genesis chapter 12 this morning. Genesis chapter 12, starting a new series uh, today called One. We're going to look throughout the next number of weeks at uh, how much one thing or one person or one event can make a difference uh, in our lives or in the world or for the impact of the gospel. So we'll look at a number of different things uh, over the next number of weeks regarding uh, one. Uh, but today I would like us to look at one way to obey. Uh, one way to obey. If you have children, um, uh, you understand that, that when you tell your kids to do something, there's, there's a way you want it done. Right? There's only one way for them to do it correctly. Uh, they might do the job but with the wrong attitude so it wasn't done right. Uh, they might have the uh, 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 okay attitude but didn't do the job completely the way you wanted it done so they didn't do it right. Um, there's only truly one way to obey and this morning I'd like to see an example of that in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to actually look at three different chapters as we read our text this morning. A couple verses in three different chapters and then uh, we'll look at this story. We're going to talk about Abraham uh, today. Let's look in Genesis chapter 12 starting in verse number 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and in the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of uh, Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh, and uh, the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord and appeared unto him. Turn with me to Genesis 15. Starting in verse number 1. Genesis 15, starting in verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer. Yeah, sorry. Eliezer, something to that effect, of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And then flip over one more chapter to chapter 16, looking in verse number 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be I may obtain children by her. 
and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah, or Sarai, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, uh, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. We're going to talk about obedience today, and how obeying can have a positive result, and disobeying can have a harmful uh, result. So there's one way to obey. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray as we search your word, as we read your, uh, your scriptures, Lord, that we would learn from it, that we'd grow from it, be encouraged by it, and Lord, that we'd be challenged by it where we need be. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to clear our minds and our hearts. Lord, that we'd be open to receive exactly what you'd have for us today. Please help me to present this clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There is a right and there is a wrong. And sadly today, many people want to help God do what God said He would do. We feel like we've got to be there to really help God do what He told me He was going to do. Churches try to help God grow the church. Um, there are a lot of uh, books, a lot of uh, uh, sessions, a lot of conferences on how you can grow your church. And you can tell I haven't been to any of them. Uh, but uh, sometimes we, we, uh, we try to say, well, how can I help God do what God said He will do? When God sent us here to start this church, God said, I want you to go start a church in Lexington. And, uh, and He said, and then I'll do the rest. And, uh, and that's hard at times as a person to sit back and be patient with God's timing. It's not an easy thing to do many times, but, but a lot of churches today have tried to help God. Well, if we add this, we'll get more people. Well, well, do we ask God before we add it, or we just add it to help God bring people to the church? God doesn't need our help. God uh, 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 commands for us to do certain things to go out and share the gospel. God commands for us to go out and find people that have need of the gospel, have need of God. God commands us as a church to be one that is welcoming, one that is helpful, one that is edifying. But God doesn't say, I need your help. God says, but this is what I want you to do. Uh, people also try to help God uh, make their marriage work. Uh, they look for different things, for secular advice, for uh, um, different things that maybe they think uh, uh, you know, God hasn't been able to, to make their marriage work. So if we do this, uh, then maybe then... It'll work. There are people who try to make uh, parents who try to help God in raising their children. Well, God, I know that this is what you said for us to do in order to raise our children in a way that you're pleased with, but I think if we add this, that'll really help them. It'll build character. Uh, I think that if we uh, 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 go to this, that this would be better. I think if we uh, uh, change this, I think it would be better, but it's not what God's asked. They're trying to help God do what God has already told them to do. Uh, people often try, try to help God provide for their needs. Well, God, I've got this, this need. Maybe it's a financial need. Well, I know, God, that you say that I'm supposed to trust in you with all my heart, but I think it might be wise for me to do this. This would help if I buy an extra scratch-off or if I uh, pick up an extra job or if I do this. And we do it without, without seeking God's wisdom for it. We try to help God provide for the needs that He says, I don't need your help providing for your needs. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I, I, I am the creator of the universe. Why do you think I need your help to provide for your needs? And oftentimes, instead of just obeying what God's told us to do, we try to help God do what He says He would already do. 
Number one today, I want us to see that obedience takes faith. This is important. In order for us to obey God, we have to have faith that God is who He says He is and that God will do what He says He will do. If we don't have faith, then we're going to have a hard time obeying. Think of the simplest illustration possible. As a young child, I remember going to the swimming pool with my parents and standing on the edge of the pool and my dad holding out his arms and saying, Jump! Now, is that obeying if I don't jump? It's not a command of my dad uh, to jump into the water. Uh, but I have to have faith that my dad is going to do what he's saying he's going to do. He's going to catch me and not let me sink to the bottom. Now, my dad wasn't cruel like some parents who say jump and then they accidentally drop their children to teach them to go under the water. My dad wasn't like that. Uh, my mom was, but my dad wasn't. Um, but uh, it's that faith. In order for me to jump, I had to have faith that my dad was going to catch me. Uh, there, there are a lot of different ways we can illustrate faith, but when it comes to obedience to God, if we don't have faith that God is who He says He is and that God will do what He says He will do, we're not going to obey Him. And we see Abraham in this situation as well. Back in, in chapter 15, uh, verse number 3, Abraham says, um, verse number 2, uh, Abraham says, uh, uh, and, Lord, and, Abra and Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? God had told him earlier in chapter 12, that your, your seed is going to, uh, to be great. Your, your, uh, what I am going to do through you and your family is going to be uh, extraordinary. And now a couple chapters later, and some time had passed, and Abram comes to God and he says, Oh, well, I, I don't have any children. Where is the faith in Abraham here? And there isn't much. Now, if you look in Hebrews 11, you'll see Abraham mentioned in his faith that, uh, and it mentions the fact that he sojourned when God told him to, to go into a land that he did not know. So he had some faith, and he followed God in some ways, but he's coming to this point now where he's saying, well, God, you said you were going to make, uh, uh, make, make my family great, but I don't have any children. Not a whole lot of faith there. In chapter 16, in verse number 2, Sarah, Abraham's wife at this time, Sarai was her name, uh, but Sarah uh, uh, came to Abraham and he said, uh, The Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, go unto my maid. She said, Well, God said you were going to have this uh, great family and that uh, your seed was going to multiply, but we don't have any kids, and I apparently can't have any kids, so why don't you take my maid? There's no faith in Sarah in this situation, and because of the actions proves no faith in Abraham either. Isn't this them trying to help God do what God said He was going to do? There was no faith here. Look in chapter 17, starting in verse number 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her uh, name Sarai, but Sarah shall, be her, uh, shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. <laughs> uh, when God says he's going to do something great and all you do is laugh, that's not showing great faith. Now you can understand, I would like to think, I can understand, Abraham and Sarah's situation here. They are old. They are past the normal childbearing ages. 
And God had said, I'm going to multiply your seed. And now God says, uh, Abraham, I'm going to give you a child from Sarah. And then and uh, out of her, she shall be the mother of nations and kings of people will be of her. Your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be kings of nations. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? There was no faith in Abraham at this moment. Look in chapter 18, verse number 2. Uh, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. Um, that's not the verse I wanted. Sorry. No, I wrote down the wrong verse. It's... Sarah does the same thing, for what it's worth. Sarah laughs also when Abraham comes to Sarah. And Sarah has the same response Abraham had. Oh, that's hilarious, Abraham. That's really funny. Why don't you just keep on cracking jokes? Um, uh, the, the, the mentality here is, is we're past that. It's not going to happen. There's no way that can happen. Well, for with God all things are possible. And God promised Abraham, and God has never broken a promise. And God promised Abraham, this is going to be what's going to happen. And yet Abraham decided, and Sarah decided, well, let's help God out. And instead of waiting for God to do what He said He was going to do, let's just make it work. Here's my maid. Abraham had a child with Sarah's maid, Ishmael. And out of that caused a lot of problems over the years. A lot of issues arose because Abraham wasn't willing to just obey and wait on God to do what God said he was going to do. When it comes to our church, may we be faithful to understand that God says, I will build my church. It's not, it's not your methods. It's not your programs. I'm not, I'm not against programs. I'm not against some methods. Um, I'm not against those things, but oftentimes a pastor will be, uh, run a program and it'll have great success. And sadly, what the church will do is they'll credit the program with the success and not the God in whom we're supposed to be worshiping. God says, I will build my church. God says, if you want a perfect marriage, if you want a, a, a marriage that is successful, here's how you do it. Here is the husband's role and here is the wife's role. And here is the children's role for your home. This is your responsibilities and what you're supposed to do. The husband is supposed to love the wife and lead the family the way that God is the example to us in the church. The wife is supposed to submit and follow her husband, edify, build, complete him. The wife and the husband, as they have children, are supposed to raise them in a God-honoring way, raise them to obey and to do what is right and to not accept them to do wrong. We have gotten weaker, and I'm guilty of this too, we have gotten weaker in how we discipline our children. No one likes to discipline their children. If you like it, then you're doing something wrong. No one likes to discipline their children. But God says if you want your child to grow up and fear God and honor God and obey God, you have to discipline them when they do wrong. And again, God's the ultimate example for us. He disciplines us when we do wrong. And God says, this is how it's set up. Now follow it, obey it. This is what I've told you to do, so do it. And yet we get caught like Abraham saying, well, I know this is what God said, but I think I need to help him out a little bit. 
Obedience takes faith. Faith takes patience. Our faith will grow as we obey. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Number two, obedience takes faith is number one. Number two, obedience brings reward. Obedience brings reward. If you have pets, you probably know this better than anybody else. When the pet obeys, what do you do? You give them a treat. Um, we don't give our dogs a whole lot of treats. They don't obey a whole lot. But uh, we just bought a new shot collar. We'll see if that works. But for the dogs, not the kids. Uh, when you're training the dog, you say sit and you hold a treat in your hand. And you push their, their backside down and then you give them a treat. And then the next time, or maybe 20 times in that one minute, you go sit. You push them down and they sit and you give them a treat. It doesn't take long for a dog to realize, if I put my rear end on the ground, I get a treat. And they begin to do it. Then it gets harder from there. All the other tricks don't come quite as easily. But, uh, uh, you know, sadly with our kids, when our kids do good, we don't usually say a whole lot to them. When they do bad, boy, we sure get on them for that. Well, when they do good, we're kind of like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. God rewards obedience. It's not always in the way we would like it. It's not always uh, in the way that if we could, in the ideal world, if we could do it that way, then God would do this for us. But God rewards obedience. Look in chapter 21, Genesis 21. Look in verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And we skipped a lot of verses in between, but uh, Isaac is born of Sarah. Abraham and Sarah have a son. His name is Isaac. And it's a reward for... Was Abraham the perfect uh, specimen up to that point? No. That's a good reminder for us. We're going to make mistakes, but God doesn't say that's the end for you because you made a mistake. When we handle our mistakes correctly, and we looked at that last week, when we handle our mistakes correctly and we come to God and say, God, I've done wrong, forgive me. We repent, we turn from that sin. And God is going to restore us back into relationship with Him. And then we're going to again see those blessings. As we obey, God rewards. As we obey, God rewards. We get so caught up in this, the doom and the gloom sometimes of situations, um, and rightfully so. But we have to remember, and if you read your Bible, you'll see it consistently throughout Scripture. As people do right, as they follow God, as they obey what He says, they get blessings. I'm not uh, preaching to you a prosperity gospel in any way, shape, or form. We're going to go through a lot of trials in our life. The Bible teaches us consistently that we're going to go through affliction. If we follow God, we're going to have a lot of people who are against us. And that's going to bring on trials. If we're doing right, Satan is going to attack us. Satan doesn't go for those who are not following God. He's got no reason to. He goes after those who are obeying and who are doing right. So as you obey, you're going to go through trials. 
But God says, if you'll just obey, if you'll just believe, if you'll just have faith that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do, that I'm going to provide for you, that I'm going to protect you, that I'm going to take care of you, you're going to receive the blessings of it. There's nothing greater, and I can, I can tell you this from personal experience, there is nothing greater than coming out of a trial, seeing how God brought you out of it. There are dark moments, there are hard times, but for people who've never experienced God taking care of them, they're missing out in their life. There is nothing greater than knowing God did that. God took care of me. God provided for me. And obedience brings rewards. Number three, the need for obedience never ends. There's never a time where you're too old to obey God anymore. You think about it, you know, as a, uh, I think of my parents, and my relationship with my parents is different now than it was when I was six. If my dad tells me to do something now, I'm going to say, why are you telling me to do that? I don't understand. Um, uh, my dad doesn't tell me to do things anymore. My dad still gives me advice. and says, I think this would be wise. I think this would be good. I think you should stay away from that or not do this or whatever it may be. But my dad doesn't tell me what to do anymore. Why? Because, well, I, I have my own house now. I have my own family. I, I'm the head of my house, and, and I still am supposed to honor my father. But the relationship changes. When it comes to our relationship with God, there's never a moment where we outgrow God's authority. There's never a moment where we no longer have to obey God. Look in Genesis 22. This is one of my favorite Bible stories. Genesis 22, starting in verse number 1. Uh, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering uh, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took his two young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. I cannot imagine, honestly, cannot even think about God telling me to do this. But God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son. He says, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, did he have other sons? Yes, he did. Isaac was the promised gift that God offered Abraham. He says, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to offer him a burnt, as a burnt offering. And we read in verse 3, it says, And Abraham said, God, why in the world would you have me do that? Oh, that's not what it says. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he got ready, and he went. And you see the difference in the faith now in Abraham than he was back when he was childless? Faith had grown in, in Abraham as his relationship with God had grown. As he'd seen God do things in his life, his faith continued to grow, and therefore his obedience became more appropriate, more correct. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When we were traveling, raising money for the church, I used this verse in a sermon that I preached a few times. And I encouraged people, if you've not tasted for yourself the goodness of God, do it. Abraham here had tasted and seen that God was good. He had experienced God for himself. 
Sadly, today, many people are living off of other people's experiences with God. Well, I can trust God because the preacher had this happen in his life. God took care of him. I can trust God because uh, my parents had this go on in their life, so I can trust Him because He took care of them. Uh, I can obey God because this missionary told this great story about how God took care of him and provided for him and did this in this situation, so I can trust God. Quit trusting God based on other people's experiences and get it for yourself. Taste and see for yourself that God is good because when you do, your faith grows. It gets easier to obey God. It's not to say that we shouldn't obey God when it's not easy, but it gets easier to obey God when we experience for ourselves who God is and what God is capable of. Faith is proven, uh, we see here in Abraham, through what he says. Look in verse 4 and verse 5. He says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I with the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham's faith is proven in what he says here to these men. He says, you stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to go here, and then we're going to come back. What did God told Abraham to do? Sacrifice your son. Kill him. Yet Abraham tells the two men here, the two of us are going to return. Look in verse number 7. Uh, it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. Again, I don't believe this is Abraham trying to fool his son. I believe this is so, showing Abraham's faith. His son says, Dad, we've got everything we need for the fire. We've got everything we need for the altar. We've got everything we need for this, this sacrifice to God except for a lamb. We don't have a lamb. And I don't think Isaac was thinking it's me. I mean, would you ever think that? No. But he's asking a, a good question to his dad. Dad, we don't have anything to sacrifice. And Abraham says to his son Isaac, he says, Don't worry about it, son. God is going to provide for this sacrifice. He's going to give us something to sacrifice. So through Abraham's words, he is showing his faith, but sometimes it's easy through our words to show our faith. When it gets hard is when there's a call to action. And Abraham's faith is proven through his actions in verse number 9 and verse number 10. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was going to obey. He did obey. His faith was being proven not just through his words but through his actions. The need for obedience never ends. I don't know what would have happened if Abraham would have balked at God's commandment here. I don't know what would have happened if God would have said, Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him. And Abraham said, no. I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? I don't know if you've ever had that conversation with God before. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> have you ever had that? God tells you to do something. You know you're supposed to do something, but you're telling God, eh. I don't think you're seeing this from my angle. I've told you before, but when God told me to start the church here, I said, well, God, I really appreciate you thinking of me, but I think I'll pass. I've got a pretty good situation where I'm at. 
And I was very polite about it. <laughs> I can remember sitting at my desk in my office in Indiana, knowing what God wanted me to do, and me telling God, I've really got it good here. When I told my grandfather that I was going to be leaving the church in Indiana to start a church in Kentucky, he said, why would you do that? My grandfather's a faithful prayer warrior, been in church for many years. So why would you do that? He said, you, you've got a house, you've got a good church, great facility, debt-free, and you're going to go and start from nothing? I said, yeah. He said, why would you do that? I said, well, I believe it's what God wants us to do. And he kind of had that, that mumbling, well, I mean, you know, well, you know. His pastor called me uh, a, a little while later, a month or so later, and he said, Vince, I'd like you to come to our missions conference, be a part of our missions conference, and, and uh, present uh, your church plant in our missions conference. And I said, I'd love to. And, and uh, we went up there and went through the missions conference, stayed with my grandparents, and, and, uh, and went through the missions conference, presented, uh, presented preached, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, at the end of the, the conference, the, uh, my grandfather and the pastor were there, and, and uh, my grandfather said to the pastor, he said, he said, I get it now. And his pastor said to me, he said, that's why I scheduled you. Because your grandfather didn't understand why in the world you would do this. And I knew that if you came, he would see. Now, for me, I just came because it was an opportunity to raise some support. And oftentimes we, we are like me when God told me to come and my grandfather, when I told my grandfather that I was leaving Indiana and, and we say, well, God, this doesn't make any sense. Sacrifice my son, the one that you promised me? That would be my reaction. But Abraham said, well, God promised me that through my son, through Sarah, that Sarah would become a, a mother of, of nations and there would be kings... Uh, of nations because of it. So I'm sure God's got this under control. We don't read anywhere where Abraham questions God in this situation. And if he did, God didn't record it for us. What we see is Abraham obeying God. And, and immediately in verse 3, rose up early in the morning and went. In verse number 5, he tells the guys, we'll both be back. In verse number 8, he tells his son, God's going to provide a sacrifice for us. Obedience takes faith. Obedience brings reward. The need for obedience never ends. And lastly, this morning, obedience allows us to see God do great things. If we're not going to obey God, we're going to miss out on seeing what God is capable of. Think about this for just a moment. We'll get to the verses in just a second. But think about this. Of all the stories you can think of in the Bible, think of David wouldn't have gone down to fight Goliath. What would have David's history have been? What if one of his brothers had gone and fought in Goliath? What if Daniel would have stopped praying? He would have never been thrown in the lions then. He would have never seen God shut the mouths of the lions and deliver him from that. What if Joshua wouldn't have led his army to march around Jericho? You see, when we don't obey God, we don't get to see what God could have done through our obedience. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 11, 
It says, The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Can you imagine that I can just hear Abraham sighing with this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Verse number 12, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. In Hebrews, we read that Abraham believed that his son uh, would be risen from the dead. Abraham believed that he was going to kill his son that day and that God would revive him. Even so, you have to believe Abraham was very excited that he didn't have to kill his son. But because Abraham obeyed, he got to see God provide for him in that moment a ram for that sacrifice. But long after that, he got to see as God fulfilled his promise to him. And today, thousands of years later, when we are still reading and discussing the story of Abraham, and we're still seeing the results of his obedience. So oftentimes, we have an opportunity to do what God's told us to do, and with that comes an opportunity to see God do some amazing things. But because we don't obey, we miss out. My wife has said, and I have said many times, had we not come to Lexington, I wonder what issues would have come up in Indiana, what problems we would have had. Because what looks like a good situation can turn bad very quickly. We also talk about what God's going to do in this church in the years to come. And that we want to be here to see it. Obedience is not always easy, but it is right. And there's only one way to obey. And that's to put our faith in God and just do what He tells us to do. We have to stop trying to help God do the things that He's told us He's going to do. We have to quit doubting that God's actually going to fulfill His promise to us. We have to trust that what God has called us to, that He will bring us through it. We have to trust that when God says, this is how your marriage can work, we just do it. When God says, this is how your children can, can grow up and love the Lord, well, that's how I have to raise my children. This is how your church can grow, well, then that's how we're going to do church. Obedience takes faith. Obedience brings reward. The need for obedience never ends. And obedience allows us to see God do great things. My children, it's a, again a simple illustration. Uh, my children will ask very often for a drink. We'll come to church on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, doesn't matter when. My kids ask for a drink. Can I have a drink? No. Why not? I said so. Uh, one of my children is very persistent many times. And I remember a Wednesday night not too long ago, he said, I'm really thirsty. Can I, can I, and he asked it correctly, can I please have a drink? 
And I said, not right now. And he came back a minute later, Dad, I'm really thirsty. Can I please have a drink? Son, I just want you to wait. Not right now. Came back another minute later, Dad, I need a drink. And I said, okay, go get a drink. He went and got a drink. We were driving home, and any time we pass a speedway, my son's asked for a freezy. He said, Dad, can we get a freezy? I said, actually, I was planning on getting you a freezy. But because you wouldn't wait, because you didn't listen, you got a drink of water instead. Where she started to cry. It's a very sensitive soul. And he said, well, it's not fair. I said, actually, son, it's incredibly fair. If you would have obeyed, you would have gotten something better than water, because let's just admit, water isn't that great. <laughs> you would have gotten something better than water. But because you refused to listen and to obey, uh, now we're all going to just have to drink water. Not that a freezy compares to the blessings of God, but what do you miss out on because you're just not willing to wait and obey what God said? It's going to take faith. Faith is going to take patience. But God has given it to us. We have it in His Word. This is the, the greatest, I don't know if we can call it a self-help book because it's not self-help, but the greatest book that we can be given to advise us on how to live our lives in a way that we can see blessings. It's all right here for us. All we have to do is obey it. We're not too old to obey God. Let's, let's obey Him better. There's only one way to do it. It's God's way. There's just no other way around it. Today we're trying to find excuses or ways to do it differently than what God said and, and churches are implementing it and saying it's okay because it's the church. <laughs> no. There's one way to obey. It's God's way. Obey God. It'll take faith. It'll bring rewards. There's never going to end the time that you need to obey don't miss out on opportunities to see God do things, to taste and see for yourself what God can do for you because you refuse to obey. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that if there's areas in our lives that we're not obeying, that we're not doing what you want us to do, that we're trying to, to uh, implement our own way into your will, God, I pray that you would help us to see that and correct it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to obey. We can't, we can't even obey without your help. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have the strength that we need to do so. And God, help us to, to understand that, that obeying you has the best outcome compared to not obeying you. And so, Lord, I pray for your help. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, uh, we're going to have an invitation. I would like us to uh, do what we've done in the past. In a moment, we are going to give you an opportunity. We don't really have a great um, altar up here, so we'll let you stay in your seats. Give you a chance to pray. You can stay seated, and then once you're done praying, um, you can stand. And once everybody's standing, we'll close the service. Uh, to give you an opportunity, though, if, you, if, if the Lord's spoken to you about something today, deal with it. Take care of it now, um, and allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. Trust Him that His way is right. If you want someone to pray with you, feel free to come to the front. We'll pray with you. Um, if you've got something you'd like to talk about later, feel free to, to, to come up and ask. And, and uh, we'll get a time that we can talk later as well. But for now, let's just take a moment uh, and do business with God, what God would have for you. And, uh, and as soon as you're done, just stand to your feet. Once everybody's standing, we'll pray. Lord, I pray for your help in this brief time of, of prayer that we would deal with what you want us to deal with. I pray this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'll be quiet. 
once everyone's standing, we'll close in prayer.